All right, here we are. It's Monday, January 6, 2020, here in Lex Media with my friend Dave Geller and Julie Manugian for Season 1, Episode 3 of What Do We Know? And this episode, Dave, tentatively called How to Save a Life That Could Change by the Time We Finished. Happy New Year, Dave. How are you? I am great, Dan. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's not my show. Uh, and Julie, Happy New Year to you. Thank you. All right, 2020, year full of opportunity and hope and wonderful things, I hope, for everybody else. Uh, Dave, New Year's was good, successful, low-key, high-key? Awesome. Just basically awesome. Awesome. Good family time. Did good. you stay up until midnight? 10.30. 10.30. So <laughs> the answer was no. <laughs> uh, I did, and I remember what we did, um, and then we went to bed, so it was fine. Uh, Dave, three things from the past week. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and stipulate the Patriots lost, and I'm ready to move on. Is that okay with you? I'm with you. All right. Uh, second thing from this week, Dave, what else? Big occurrences. What's that? Big occurrences. Uh, I don't know. Just three things that happened to you or that we should know about. Um, I learned something new. Okay. We're going to skip to that one right ahead. I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Narwhals. Narwhals. What about them? Big teeth. Big tooth. Coming through upper lip to the left. But the kicker is only the males have the big tooth. Did you, were you watching that Geo or, or what? Like, are you doing some reading, listening to some podcasts, the Narwhal podcast? I'm not sure how that came up, but it just it, it was a conversation yesterday and did a little research, and that's my knowledge, new knowledge right, for the week. Right. So that's Dave's. Uh, so my first thing with the Pats. My second thing is that I just you know, I've been watching a lot of television or or like commercials that pop up, and I just can't believe that. Um, people watch some of these reality TV shows and get into them. So I'm not going to name the show, but I was watching, I think, some movie on MTV and this and the show popped up. I'm like, I don't know why people watch that. But then I guess, you know, when I was 11, 12 and 13, Dave, I was watching, you know, the original real world. And maybe that's a target demo, not 41.9 year old guys like me. So that wasn't very exciting, except to say, say I'm getting old because I don't watch MTV uh, reality television anymore. I miss MTV. I remember that. I think we might have talked about this the, the first episode. Yep. I never watched the Real World. I skipped over that. Really, Julie? Did you watch the Real World? I used to. Like the first one, with like with like the original Julie, right? The one that everyone thought was. Oh, that's right. Who had the big fight with the with the guy outside <laughs> because about racism? Yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. I was actually at a Sox game. I think uh, it was spring of my senior year, and. Julie from the original real real world was in the bleachers and everyone's like freaking out. Oh, there's Julie from the real world. I'm like, hey, cool, nice. Wow. Um, so brushed with greatness, although we didn't hang out. Um, so my second thing, my third thing is that I mean, you know, I'm not gonna get too political too political, but you know, I'm on Twitter a lot, Dave. I know that you're not. Uh, but in the aftermath of uh, of of the you know killing slash assassination of the Iranian commander, uh, everyone is now an expert on Iran. I find that very amusing because probably nobody's an expert. That's what I've learned this week. What else have you learned? Anything else? Any highlights from early 2020? I've learned that I might dive into Twitter at some point. I don't recommend it for you. You might get out of control. I, <laughs> I'll have to. I'll have to lean on you to restrain me. All right, it sounds good. Uh, I know there's. Think of note, Dave, but you'll appreciate back, hearkening back again to the first podcast about Taco Fall, the uh, you know seven six three hundred ten pound star of the main red clause, somehow sixth place in the front court all-star voting for the East. So stuff the ballot box for Taco, who's played like 10 minutes total for the Celtics, would be amazing if he somehow made the all-star game. I think that would be awesome. I think it won't happen. I'm thinking back to Minute Bowl. Yeah, well, that's the comp. Days, that's the comp. And my friend who tried to, uh, played a little one-on-one against him uh, in the gym, and Actually, almost, almost the goal was to score a basket on on the new. At what gym did this take place? It actually, it was a Lexington um, friend. What? And I'm not sure where the gym was, but he 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 basically faked out Manute, went left, fake left, went right, and he actually had the basket in sight, but then he donked it off the rim. Because Manute was just what was are you talking about? Swatting away the balls left Manute and right. Manute Ball never played for the Celtics. No, I think he was in the area. He was maybe okay, <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, Dave, in the old days of Brandeis, you and I both probably ran into the Celtics when they were practicing there, right? I I I remember. I would we would walk by their weight room and stare at them, and they would walk away by our weight room and stare at us. Yeah. And actually, I actually met Robert Parrish there one time, got an autograph um, for my mom. Mom, and your mom is a big Celtics fan. Huge Celtics fan. Still. Uh, that's a great question. She definitely watched it, but she was a huge Celtics fan. Well, the Celtics were pretty, were pretty good back then, let's, yeah. let's be honest. I gave Robert Parrish my piece of paper, my pen, and he said, who did I make it out to? And I told him, and he looked at me and he says, your pen don't work. So Shame. That's shame. cool. <laughs> <laughs> wow. When I was in first grade, 1984, 5, 
my first, um, thanks to my friend Alex Hertzlinger, my first uh, infatuation with the NBA. The Celtics are, of course, very good. I remember one day we were sitting there in first grade, and I saw this big guy walk down the hallway of the Winbrook Elementary School, and I said, that was Greg Kite. Greg Kite. And it turns out that it was Greg Kite. And somehow me and Alex like finagled the visit to like the third grade classroom and got to shake his hand. And I thought it was the coolest thing that had ever happened to me. What, what year were you in first grade? So I was in kindergarten in, in 83, 84. So first grade would have been 84, 85. I believe it was spring of 85. That's crazy. And that was like peak. You were in kindergarten in 84, 85. Yeah, and you were probably in 11th grade. I was watching the real world. <laughs> Except it was ten years before that. Uh, little known fact. Yeah, sure. Little, little known fact. You, I, I actually, I actually never attended second grade. Well, that's a good one. Did you? Did you skip? I did skip you second skipped grade. Second I skipped grade. Second grade. Yep. Thanks to my mom. What? Way before I got her that autograph from, from Robert Parrish. Wait a minute. We need to talk about this for a second. How did you skip second grade? That's a great question. So, do you begin college and you were seventeen? I. Should we talk about how I skipped college too? Well, we know that you didn't, but that's fine. So you, you entered college as a 17-year-old. I think I did. Yeah. You were the youngest freshman at Brandeis. I, I, might, I, I Oh, might my been. gosh. But I wasn't the youngest. Um, you overachiever. Yeah, I, I, I did okay. I was so average compared to you. Wow. You were so average. Yeah, sure. <laughs> the other thing I'll just say, uh, for those of you who are soccer fans, which is probably me, Liverpool, um, uh, on pace to ob- uh, obliterate the Premier League record for points there. Uh, seventeen zero and one or eighteen zero and one after nineteen games or twenty games, and um, you know the record all time record is a hundred points, and last time a, a team went through the EPL undefeated, they got a gold trophy that was Arsenal. So I'm holding out hope for an undefeated record setting season for Liverpool, who also happened to win the Club World Cup over December vacation and just advanced to the FA Cup fourth round after an amazing goal yesterday. So if you're a Liverpool fan, it's a great time to be alive. Do you own a Liverpool? Jersey? Jersey, you bet I do. You bet I do. Anyway. But I could use. I, just, I think I have two. Yeah, but I could use a new one always. Birthday is coming up. Um, Dave, random question for you. Yes, so I, I play a lot of games with kids and classes that I teach, and um, I'm, I'm firmly of the belief that if you're with a group of kids in any setting, always worth getting to know them. And I have some Agreed. go go to questions that I sort of ask people. So one of them is, of course, tell me three things which you're familiar with. Um, but what I'm going to ask you today, just to share if you're comfortable, and it can be funny and silly, um, could you just share with us, which means me and Julie and, and our listeners. When did Julie get here? Yeah, she's here. Hey uh, what's up? Could you just be, you know, tell, tell us something random, an allergy or a, an interesting injury or like a weird medical thing that you got going on. It isn't like gross, but like there's my strange medical thing, allergy thing that happens. So you could say, oh, I had all my teeth pulled on the same day when I was nine. Or, hey... You know, my sister punched me in the face and broke my nose when I was seven. Anything good like that somewhere in the attic? I (laughs) sat on my good friend's dog, a German Shepherd, back in sixth grade, which wasn't a good idea. What happened to the dog and to you? The dog turned around and chomped on my cheek. Oh, (laughs) my God. The the lower cheek or the upper cheek? (laughs) Right where you can see that little dimple in my cheek. That's that's, that's where where it was. um, This this helps me with the anti-dog argument. Mm -hmm. I think I said last time I was bit by dogs twice. (laughs) You did actually. I still still have them. But but, um, but Jim Quarry's mom nicely stuck a towel on my face and it had me walk home out of my house oh my to, to seek medical care. How old were you? I was sixth grade, so. Did you 11. have to get stitches? Well, now that now we're, you're a year ahead of schedule, you're probably 10. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, back back then, they do a little bit more now, but back then, the, the rule of thumb was not to stitch closed uh, dog bites. Really? Even on the face because you would entrap more bacteria that way and lead to a bad infection. So it actually it was not stitched to kind of close on its own. Nowadays, we might put a smaller stitch in there just to kind of close things up a little bit, oh, wow. get better, give a much better um, a healing process. Well, if we're doing dog injury stories, I got one for you also. So I was, I remember this vividly. It was um, April of 1993. I was on my bike in Belmont, Massachusetts, riding no helmet and a basketball in, I think, my left arm riding to the Winbrook School to play basketball. Should we, as a pediatrician, should I start talking about what's wrong with the story so far? No, no not even yet. So there's the 80s. Not everything goes in the 80s or 90s. Um, Were you popping a wheelie? I was not. I never did that. Uh, and I was biking down, I think it was Plymouth Avenue or Plymouth Street in Belmont, and this gigantic dog like sprints out of its house. And I was scared to death of dogs when I was basically 5 through 20, right? Uh, and literally like ran into my bike. I flipped over my bike, skinned open my knees and my ankle swelled to like the size of a grapefruit. So I kind of limped home 
and it was it was the night of the first Seder, Dave. It was the first night of Passover, and nobody was home. And I waited for my mom and my grandma to come home. My grandma had been a nurse, and my mom's like, "Oh, you know, mom, take a look at it." And she's like, "Yeah, go to the hospital." Um, so it wasn't broken, but it was a really, really, really bad sprain. I had a cast on for like a month, and it really hurt bad. And it only uh, gave me more ammunition to be like, "I'm really afraid of dogs." Um, so it didn't help. Two so, questions. Uh, yep. Did you bring home the basketball too? Did you uh, yeah, I did. I remember. I remember exactly the basketball. It was also. It was a I'll tell you later, in, second in second question. Number two. Are you still able to recite the four questions? Uh, of course I am. Julie, anything good? Any allergy, injury, amusing, and in, in medical conditions you want to share with us? Um. You, you have any allergies? No. no have you ever got any stitches? Yes. Why did you get stitches? What happened? When I was three years old, I was at my grandparents' house. I was sitting on a little stool. I yeah. fell, crushed right down on my chin. chin. <clears throat> and, I got, oh, and I got yeah. uh, stitches under the chin. Is that common, that's, Dr. Geller? That's the two most common places to get them it are either under the, the cheek, on the cheekbone, or on the chin. So two out of three people in this room have had stitches on the chin. Wow. Mm -hmm. What's the most common cause of stitches on, uh, like over here on the cheek? Just falling. Just falling? Just falling. I, 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 I would think. We're getting hit in the face by a basketball. You're carrying your left arm or running up. Yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> of course. There you, you look, go. But you look great. You healed up well, Julie. Yes, it, it healed well. <laughs> that's good. That was only some number of years ago. Uh, nice. Um, speaking of things I learned this week, I, I was recertified on uh, New Year's Eve for first aid and CPR. On New, on New Year's Eve? New Year's Eve, we were in a class uh, at Bedford Recreation, which I had. Uh, my good friend, Peter Rickey, who's a Lexington firefighter, uh, came and did a four-hour training for us. So I feel like I'm ready to deliver first aid or CPR. Um, if called upon that. And this is like, you know, you do the compressions for the different mannequins, you do the EpiPen trainers. Um, and, uh, and, and my, and, and, if you'll allow me to tell another just funny story, that I did, there was just a time that I was eating. I just want to know how you can weave a funny story into an EpiPen. Oh, well, here it comes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, it's funny and not funny because it's a serious business. Um, but we're talking about somewhere around, I don't know, maybe it was it was March of 2006 or so. Can we just frame these around when you were in kindergarten? So like six years post 2006, I was definitely not in kindergarten. Eight so I was years, 20, eight years before 28 years old, probably the month after my second son was born. Um, my wife had a friend in town from, I think they were in D.C. back then, and she's allergic to peanuts. Okay, This is, this is the situation. Okay. So the three of us. That's uh, what we call foreshadowing. Yeah, there's a lot of foreshadowing. So we're like, oh, we're living in Arlington at the time. Um, we're going to go to dinner on a Saturday night. We're going to legal seafood at the Prudential downtown. Go Let's go all the way. And right? you had two kids. All the way. So we left the kids with the babysitter and we, we hopped downtown. We're eating like maybe nine o'clock. We left the kids with the babysitter playing with the EpiPen. Definitely. <laughs> no, no. So we're at, we're at legal seafood and, and uh, their friend Sarah um, asks the wait staff, listen, I have an allergy to, I guess, peanuts. Like, is there anything in the seaweed salad I should be aware of? Like, no, don't worry about it. Um, food comes. We're eating. We start talking, of all things, Dave, about um, uh, prenatal surgery, like how you operate on babies in utero. One of my favorite pre-dinner conversations. Yeah, right. Well, apparently, <laughs> we'll wait for the wait for the punchline. I'm waiting. <laughs> so, as we're having this conversation, Sarah, who has the EpiPen, starts like acting a little bit loopy, and like kind of mumbling, and looks like she's kind of like having a hard time. And we're like, oh my god, did she have peanuts? You know. Um, she gets up to walk out of the table to get some fresh air, and literally like collapses in, like, into Elizabeth's arms. I'm like, oh my God. So we're on the phone with her dad, who's a doctor. He's like, give her the EpiPen now. My wife, like zero hesitation, takes the EpiPen and just jabs her right Whoa. in, you know, in the Man. right part. I'm like, that must feel like, cool. no hesitation. I'm like, you are incredible in the crisis. Um, she, you know, gets back into it. The paramedics come in. Like, mm -hmm. this is the scene downtown. Like, we're in the middle of drama. Um, and now it's like, now it's like 11 o'clock or something. We're leaving the restaurant. They don't even, they don't even cop us the meal, by the way. They make us pay for the meal. That's horrible. Okay, but hold on. And then by this point, my wife's, like, my, wife's, my wife's sick. She has to go home and nurse. I'm like, I'll take Sarah to the hospital, right? The other friend had to leave. So I'm going to, to Mount Auburn like midnight on a Saturday with my friend. With, and they're like, oh, is this your husband? I'm like, no, I can't be in the room as you examine her. But like, I'll be outside waiting. So five hours later, they release her. I'm like, oh, well, uh, I think it was just um, she passed out because she didn't like the conversation about surgery and it wasn't an allergic reaction. Whoa. What? But I was so I was so impressed with my wife's just That's like, a good I don't know if I could sort of do that, now, even though I've been recertified, just jab in the leg and go for it. But I was like, you're incredible. 
And I've been in those situations. And have you ever given EpiPen, Dave? I actually never have, but you've been in the situation. I've been in the situation when you've needed to, and someone else has. Someone else has, right? But it's almost like a hot potato. No, you give it. No, you give it. No, I don't want to give it. So one thing, my wife's amazing. She is great in a crisis. So she was at an event recently when a kid had a seizure, and like she knew exactly what to do, and like recorded how long it was taking, and took notes, like just instinctively. Like you're amazing, and I would never have thought that irrationally about it. An awesome adrenaline rush. To just no pun intended. Go, go for it. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Wow. Yeah. So I yeah. learned about first aid and CPR, Dave, this week. And, and, and you learned something about internet, I think. Did you not up in uh, New Hampshire? <laughs> I learned, you know, <laughs> most of us have internet, you know, phone, or phones, um, you know, plans around here. And it's usually for the year you, or two-year plan, right? You're locked in. <laughs> for life. Locked into the plan. <laughs> and if you ever want to get out, you have to pay probably more than you paid for the past two years to get out. But we yeah. were looking um, to get some internet at a place that we have up in New Hampshire. And as the person on the phone was trying to sell me, you know, the highest package, I said, I just want to be honest with you. I just, I just want the lowest thing I can get <laughs> just to get Wi-Fi up there. And I know this is a crazy question, but is there any chance I can do month to month? And he goes, Definitely. We, we do month to month the same price that we would do the full, the full year plan. Like, you're kidding me. So we so for me, it was very excited. So we could just use, because we're only up there during the winter months, and we can actually sign up for internet and, and not pay an arm and a leg to, to use it. So, so that, that was my internet story. Spectrum, spectrum internet. I don't know if it's around here, but I'm very happy with it. Live free or die. Live free or die. Get Wi-Fi not for free or don't die. Or try to get your get your your name <laughs> your neighbor's wifi, signal for wifi, free. Wi-Fi <laughs> password, which I have done. It used to be the, the password used to be Becky Cat. Right, you know, it's funny. Mm-hmm. I knew that because I stayed at your place once. Oh, um, and last thing I'll just say is I also I also learned, and so did you, Dave, that today is Armenian Christmas. So Julia, just want to wish you a happy yes. Armenian Christmas. Thank you, mm-hmm. thank you. And I found out why. Oh, tell us, please. Why uh, Armenian Christmas is celebrated on December sixth, and we're not the only ones. Uh, but I guess it, there's two answers. Number one, because we are a really old nation. Mm-hmm. And the second reason is because of scheduling. So first, let me address the, the um, so Armenians are very old, one of the oldest nations in the world. And um, historically, all Christian churches celebrated Christ's birth on January 6th. This was done by everybody until the fourth century. Mm-hmm. And yes, we were around prior to. Um, so, so were Armenians we. were the first. Yeah, yeah. So Armenians <laughs> were the first. Speaking for the Jewish people. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> so Armenians were the first um, nation in the world to adopt Christianity, mm-hmm. which is just a little known fact. That was done in 301. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so. Uh, all Christian churches were celebrating it on January 6th, but then uh, the Roman Catholic Church got involved and they decided to change the date because something else was being celebrated at that time, which was the uh, pagan feasts. Mm-hmm. So for scheduling, they bumped Christmas to December 25th. I think I had it on my Google calendar, actually. <laughs> really? So, uh, but because the Armenians were part of the um, Apostolic Church, and the, um, hold on, I'm pulling this up. Um, we stayed with the January 6th because like we were part of the... Um, the old school. So... Is that a good answer? That's a great answer. And I think... Um, I don't know if it's a good answer. But I, as I, you know, Julie, I grew up in, in Belmont and Belmont Watertown is one yes, of the he. major centers of Armenian population in North America. Yes. Uh, still friends with many folks from back then. Um, yes. And uh, I've had the great good fortune of, of being in the Armenian quarter in Jerusalem, you know, many, many yes. times in my life, including on uh, on Easter, on Christmas itself, really? um, and a, a beautiful. And it's, of course, it's it's the smallest part of the old city of Jerusalem. It's one of the more uh, I'm not gonna say secretive, but lesser known areas. Um, well, to Armenians, it's a big deal. Yeah. Like a lot of Armenian churches uh, have trips yep. to go to Jerusalem, and um, yeah. yeah, and so I've heard about the Armenian quarter a lot. Well, Julie, Isn't that cool? my, my my advice cool. and Dave to you is you should you should both go to Jerusalem. And, Check that out. I'm going to go to, the, to Watertown, Belmont first, and then get over there. And the most, I, mean, I think I remember, um, you know, this isn't really a podcast about spirituality, but I, I remember one, one year, uh, one of my trips, I, I arrived in uh, Jerusalem on, on Christmas Eve, and happened to be Friday night, and Friday night, of course, is the beginning of the Sabbath, and you know, we, we landed in Israel, you know, after you know, a long flight, at something like four o'clock, we got into Jerusalem, we'd had dinner, and I'm like, all right, who wants to go for a walk, just because everyone's kind of buzzing from excitement, so we walked, you know, 15 minutes, 
Friday night, and Jerusalem's closed on Friday night in these areas, and um, you know, down to the wall, and no one's at the wall because it's late, except for this one group of like 20 Orthodox guys, and they're really praying, like really like loudly and wailing in a way which they are familiar with, and, and I just remember like just imagining like their, their prayer sort of vaulting over the wall into like space and time, and this incredible spiritual mm-hmm. moment of like something's happening here. Um, but of course, I've also been in Jerusalem on, on Orthodox Easter and, and seen a whole different story, and it's really awesome, so... Um, cool, very cool, cool right. stuff. Very I, li- I like their new tr- their their tourism ads. Do you like them? Uh, it's, I see them like, oh my gosh, what is this? Like Jerusalem, Tel Aviv? What? Um, anyway, I've been very lucky to go to Israel a lot of times, and I always say it's always time to go back. So maybe right. maybe next year again. We, we've we've been talking about it. Uh, I've been trying to get to go for years, Dave. To get, but let's talk about something else, Dave. The intersection of of things that we both do, um, uh, both medically. And uh, as a society and as schools, I think we're all grappling with uh, vaping. Vaping as a public health issue, as an educational issue, as an issue facing kids. So, Dave, just, just some thoughts. Um, I assume we're going to agree that it's just really bad for you. Um, but uh, I'm not going to steal your thunder. Talk about vaping for a second in kids and teens and what you're seeing and what's really bad about it and all that. I think your, your perspective is, as an educator, as a parent, is huge. I think it's obvious what it is, and it's it's actually easy to talk about now with at least you know the youth, the adolescents, young adults, anybody um, about the dangers of it because it's real. And a lot of stuff we talk to our patients about, our kids about, is kind of you know intangible, right? If you if you do this substance, possibly this is what could happen to you. This is what may is going on, but we can't actually show them that possibly. You know, maybe give examples of um, friends or. Yep other information what with vaping we're actually seeing it it's real you know and, and as it was coming out more in the news and i think this is actually one value of social media because um, it was reaching the kids you know mm-hmm. young adults is you know my my worry was it was going to be fake news but you know and they would it would be diluted but it's real it's real news and these things are dangerous and what do you mean by dangerous dave you know the for the nicotine for example or you know the, the vaping there's been i think over 2500 um uh, lung injuries, mm-hmm. respiratory injuries associated with vaping. There's been, I think, around 50, over 50 deaths associated with um, vaping. Um, and th- this, is, this is the short-term stuff. We're not even seeing the long-term stuff right now. I mean, vaping is pretty new, you know, whether it's nicotine or, you know, or it's um, THC products. Um, the, the THC products now being implicated more now. Yeah, with the, with, especially with the deaths, they say that it's sort of the illicit cannabis that has the loaded e-oils that are really the yeah, culprit it's, of the, it's, re- it's, the that's sort of immediate death. You know, that's what they're finding in this. Yeah. It's called the BAL and the bronco alveolar yeah. lavage. They're finding that this vitamin E, this is just one thing they're saying. There yeah. could be much, much more. Sure. Um, that is, 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 is one of the issues. And so do, do you ask kids who you see, like, as a pediatrician, is it one of your questions like, are you drinking? Are you smoking? Are you vaping? Are they honest with you if you ask, or will they, or do you know when they're lying? I mean, this is sort of an inside, yeah. inside perspective no, from it's you. A great, it's a great question, and I, and, and someone actually asked, you know, the young adults who I, I see in the office, they ask, actually asked me, oh, these must be new questions, and they're right. Five years ago, I wasn't asking right. if someone was vaping. I mean, I heard about dabbing, yep. um, but it was this, it wasn't, you know, the kids that I knew doing mm-hmm. it, but it was, it was out there, and dabbing is basically you know vaping thc right um, and the problem with that too as a tangent is it's so much more potent it's like it's like 40 to 80 percent more yeah. you know percent um, concentration versus a 20 percent that you know people are usually smoking um, mm-hmm. but no i ask every every young adult um and i kind of titrate it in terms of the age i start at depending on you know the the, the, the patient that i know well enough um in terms of the way they are developmentally and socially but I ask everybody, you know, and I have this little thing. I go, you know, I, I often will say, are you, are you smoking, drinking, yep. vaping, um, potting? <laughs> and do you get do you get honest answers? I really believe I do. Okay. And can you tell if they're lying? I can tell. Um, usually, well, I, I hope I, I don't want to be so pompous that I can say that I can always tell. But I think yep. that you can tell when people trust you. Sure. And they can, and and, and, I, and I, I will I will give them reassurance of how I'm not typing it, or yep. if it's I am typing something, it's not going where anybody can see it. I mean, we really respect uh, adolescent confidentiality. Um, so, hypothetically, are you are you not allowed to tell a parent if they say, or what's your policy? If they say, "Don't tell my mom," do you can you not tell them, or is it up to you and your discretion? You know? Well, I mean, if they ask me to not to, yes, I okay. can. I cannot tell them. Yeah. Um, adolescents have um, in Massachusetts confidentiality. Sure. Um, unless we get um, 
you know, well, unless it's something very egregious that you have to report. Yeah, right? yeah. unless they say it's okay yeah. um, to share with the parents. Um, and if it's basically, I tell them initially when we enter into this relationship as a, at that age that if it's, if their health is at risk yeah. or someone that they know's health is at risk, then I will get the I will um, then I would be obligated to let someone know. But I want to get the permission to do that sure. before I did that. So I, but a lot of a lot of kids, I'd say a lot of parents know what their kids are doing, mm-hmm. and a lot of kids know that the parents know yeah. and but there are the kids there are but there definitely are different behaviors that the parents have no idea that the kids sure. are doing sure and if i don't allow them to have that conversation with me confidentially then it's not going to happen yeah. and and it's it's not going to help anybody so i really respect confidentiality and i think that our patients for me they're the providers i work with i think the kids really get that hmm. so I, I was listening recently to um I think it was Freakonomics did a podcast about vaping and the difference about how the United States and how the UK have approached it as a public health issue. And in the UK, they've actually embraced it as a way to get people to stop smoking. And they've regulated the amount of nicotine that you can put in e-cigarettes, and it's super low. And in this country, we've taken the opposite. We have not limited the amount of nicotine you can put. So the vaping that kids are doing here is much more addictive because we haven't restricted it or, 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 or regulated it because we've said you can't advertise vaping as a cigarette alternative. They don't want that to be phrased in this country that way. So, so we're creating a, a, a generation of kids who aren't smoking, which is great, but they're vaping things that are way more potent than they are in the UK. Yeah, I think a, 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 a pod, a jewel pod, yeah. for example, has 20, has the amount of like 20 cigarettes in it. Right. And yeah, so yeah. that can't be good. Yeah. And there, and there, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, and there, were a lot of, there were a lot of products that are billed as no nicotine, but have nicotine in them. Right. And yeah, the FDA or the regulation is, is lagged behind. You know, Massachusetts was great. You know that they put a, a four-month ban on right. all products. You know, yeah, but then you can just drive to Nashua and pick up the stuff in New Hampshire if you want to. Exactly. So what's the point? Yeah, and and yeah, it basically took one thing that was bad for you and created another thing that was bad for you. So uh, imperfect. But the, but the difference on the regulation both here in the UK was fascinating. So you know, it sounds easy to be like, hey, why don't we just set limits here? But in this country, regulation is a hot a hot issue at times. Um, I would say, you know, from the school perspective, we, um, you know this high school in particular in Bedford has grappled with what's the appropriate discipline for kids who are caught vaping. And so they were, they've been given a choice to either serve a suspension or go to the diversion program. And not surprisingly, kids are saying, Oh, I'll just stay home from school Mm. and maybe watch Netflix for a couple of days instead. So how do you deter kids from vaping? Um, You know, if you catch them, I think you're disqualified from athletics, which is completely appropriate. Sign an agreement about how to, you know, alcohol and tobacco consumption. Um, you know, I'm of I'm of the opinion, Dave. I didn't ask you like at what age do you start asking about risky behaviors, but I think when my kids entered middle school, you just knew the kids were doing things mm-hmm. when they were 11 and 12, which mm-hmm. includes marijuana and e-cigarettes, and you know, in some in much lower numbers than when you and I were growing up, actually smoking cigarettes. Um, but it definitely still happens um, for kids as low, I would say, even when they're 11. Yeah, no, I, I definitely am asking by 12, so yeah. 11, 12, you know, sixth grade, if not fifth grade, depending on you know the environment and the kids, 100. percent Yeah. So I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think there's, you know, I think going back to social media, I think with all this stuff in the news, I mean, stuff was really peaking. And mm-hmm. I think since September, they've actually seen a decline in um, emergency room visits, sure. possibly um, around vaping. I think that the generation coming up, the kids who are coming from, from elementary school now into sixth, seventh grade, at least in these areas, are way more aware of the dangers of, um, of uh, vaping. And one of the problems with, vaping was or is is that's addicting you know and i had more kids from college coming home who just regular kids who just started vaping because other kids were vaping and they couldn't stop vaping and and now they're all scared of what they've yep. done to their body and what they're going to do and it's a big deal and i but hopefully we can put a dent in it i think that you know with more government involvement and public health support we can hopefully yeah I mean, without the regulation kids will continue to be addicted because the stuff is so strong and that was a learning from the uk like if you regulate the nicotine um it won't be as addictive so why, why are we incentivizing or not regulating that is my open question for the FDA and everybody else. Uh, and they don't want to talk about it. So yeah, but just on, <laughs> one, one more point is it really snuck up on everybody. Yeah. You know, how many parents were saying, you know, I, I found I found my child's um, USB charger. You know, no, that, no that's, that's not. A, yeah, right. you know, it, it just really snuck up on a lot of people what this was. And I think that you know, adults who are doing it, parents who didn't know about it, kids who uh, got involved in it. It really just hit, hit, hit yeah. hard. Dave, I wouldn't know what it looked like if I saw one. Yeah. Is it a kazoo? Is it a USB chart? Is it something else? I have no idea. Um, luckily, I trust my kids, and I think they're not doing it. But um, you know, I think uh, 
there was an event for parents, I think, last spring about it. And it was very well attended because everyone's like, what's happening? I think if we did it again. It would be just as well attended. So uh, that's, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's important. And I thank you for your, for your, for your comment on that. Um, uh, anything else happening of interest, uh, you know, medically? Do you have something new in the office? You have a laser machine? What do you, what, 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 what's happening at the, what's happening, man? For pediatrics, right? We're always on the cutting edge. Yeah, we've always, we've always talked about just, you know, what other services we can, we can give, yeah. give to our patients. And, yeah. and there had been interest from various people about um, laser hair removal. And we have a large adolescent population who have some interest in that and even actually some parents. So you have a laser now. So it's like we, the Manhattan Project. So we invested in a laser because we figured, <laughs> you know, who better to do it than someone that you, that you trust and know well in, in the services being provided by the, our nurse practitioners who are trained both medically and in that. And we can offer this service and it's it, it just, it just there and we're, and we're offering to people who, who want it. You're also offering at a very, you know, cost. So um, are you, are you getting like laser that. training? I, I I attended the training because like, I'm overseeing oh, it, nice. and so I, I know what's going on, um, right. and uh, it's kind of cool. It's just a nice thing to do, and it's just it's 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 there. Sweet, know? congratulations on the laser. I like that laser show. Uh, so <laughs> I guess that's today's professional update. Mine is just saying that I'm in the middle of, in the beginning of um, coordinating. Um, with a colleague, the superintendent search in Bedford, which is very exciting. Um, job has been posted. We're forming a search committee of, uh, of both faculty and staff and residents, and that'll be an exciting process over the next 12 weeks. It's a huge challenge, huge opportunity for us to find someone huge. great. Huge. What's the what's huge? The new? Where does something like that get posted? It's a great question. So um, I think we're humble enough to realize that we don't want to run the whole process as, as you know, uh, school committee and staff. So we have hired the Massachusetts Association of School Committees who does this for districts as a service um, to help us coordinate the search, the surveys, the public forums, uh, the initial screening of candidates who apply. So I think right now in Massachusetts, Massachusetts there'll be like 35 to 40 superintendencies open, which is about average. Um, we would humbly suggest that Bedford's a very attractive community to work in with great support from the town for the schools and a great reputation. So we're looking forward to hopefully getting somewhere between 40 and 50 applications and then probably bringing in 12 to 15 people in late February for first round interviews. I just sent mine in. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> That's great. Uh, with a, with a final choice happening on around March 24th. That's exciting. And then tomorrow night I'm, I'll be seeking a, a caucus nomination to run for school committee again, which is also Ooh, very exciting. Yay. So, good luck. Uh, I mean, hopefully it. there will be, a, it'll be a drama free caucus, Can but the, a sign for you. Uh, well, I, you know, in uh, in in small Bedford, it's it's fairly rare for incumbents to um, be challenged. So you don't have to hire that plane with uh, it with the, with the banner behind it. Not have to do that. Uh, but there will be a there will be a couple contested elections, I think, including for select board, um, which will be exciting. Select board. Select board. Select board. Select board. Well, it's still select men, um, but the charter and bylaw committee, which I sit on, did recommend um, that it be changed to select board, and town meeting did. Uh, tentatively approve that at special town meeting, but I don't think it will become official. Until, so when I was a freshman until March. at Brandeis, one of the sophomores I knew. A 17-year-old freshman? <laughs> Got off the school bus. Um, <laughs> you bring your was, had a, had a, um, a petition you know, signed by a large you know, the, pop, uh, the school population because he wanted to change fresh men to fresh chunk, just to be more inclusive. Chunk? Fresh chunk. They're probably, I assume, well. Go Brandeis. Go Brandeis. Uh, you must be so Brandeis, proud. you know, the hotbed of protest in the 70s and 60s, absolutely, but not really in the early, early 90s. Um, Dave, uh, did, you, uh, did you go to the gym last week? I did. Was it packed after New Year's? It was not. Yeah. It was not. I, I, this, the gym didn't seem overly busy. Yeah, I went a couple of times and actually wasn't that bad. I also didn't go like Saturday morning. Um, but I didn't feel like it was full of new people, which is great. Do you think it's because more people are doing like apps now at home as opposed to going to the gym? Um, maybe Peloton. Um, Peloton. <laughs> were you were you aware of the Peloton commercial uh, protest there that I, happened around Christmas? I, yeah, no, I, I saw I saw the commercial. I, yeah, and I, Grace well, from Boston. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. no, it seemed pretty interesting. Yeah, you know. I'm not anti-Peloton, but the commercial was. You know, it's like a kind of cool thing to do. I mean, they also have this. I, I, it's like a. It's like a uh, a big mirror you get, right? And you can work on in front of this mirror. I saw that out on Facebook, yeah. It's kind of cool. One that, you know, although a couple weeks ago I was talking about, you know, just keeping it simple with exercise, right? I remember um, that. I hope, hope you do. But but there was, a, I saw an Instagram ad 
for this boxing thing where you can get these boxing gloves and you, yep. you box this bag. I'm like, that seems like a cool thing to do. It keeps you know, because boxing is a great workout. Boxing's hot. But thirteen hundred dollars, it's not. So uh, uh, <laughs> the gloves cost thirteen. Are they like sense like oh, we like sense, sensors? Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, just just use your Wii. Just use your Mike Tyson punch out. Yeah, just do Wii Sports, <laughs> the same thing, right? Oh my God. Um, do you have a uh, do you have a fitness highlight of the week, Dave? Fitness high point for you? Something you're very proud of? Um, not really. Just just that. that <laughs> just I'm, I'm still you know yoga again. Had another nice yoga experience. That's, that's I didn't have any. Other I didn't see. You, I did not go this week. We didn't, yeah, we had a space. We actually saved a space for you. <laughs> nice. we, lit, we lit a candle on the mat. <laughs> This Dan Roscoe memorial yoga candle. We all did. We all did happy baby to Dan Roscoe. One thing I remember from the last podcast that I that is impressive is is both of your commitments to your workouts. Uh, yeah. So maybe by being on your show, we can suck you into could that. Uh, yes, you could uh, spark that in me. We can all start jogging in place right now. Yeah, you'd love that. And your audience. <laughs> it's like it's like having meetings when you're walking, right? To get your, your brain working better. From the did exercise. you run today, Dan? I ran today. Yeah, so I ran. Uh, it was I did a little old school. Um, Childhood run. I started actually around here. I ran into Belmont Center, up and down the hill, and then back through Waverly and uh, um, and up by um, Cedar Hill Camp and, and Gann. So it was a nice eight mile jaunt through the flurries, which I really enjoyed. So that was good. That's probably my fitness highlight of the week. It was a nice run. So we will we will suck Julie into this fitness. It would be fun race. if we did a podcast while walking. We could, oh my god, we could, forget we it. could do that. We could totally do it. Who's gonna carry the hear, hear, hear the wind in the microphone oh, as we go by. Do it. We just bring a treadmill in here. You know, one treadmill. Well, there, three, there, well, three there, there's a standing desk, which I have. There's also the standing treadmill desk, right? Which they have, or like the desk where you sit and you just pedal because it's better oh, yeah, for yeah. you. I, I, I believe in all that, but I have a standing desk. Do you have a standing desk? You don't. I don't sit much. Do you have a standing standing desk? No, I do not. You should get one. They're pretty awesome. Yeah. So my my last job and at my current job, um, I had just like a, a fake standing desk of like boxes that were like full of stuff, and I would elevate the key the, the stuff on like books and also on boxes, and then. In September, you know, my new boss is like, if I come down here one more time and that's not a standing desk, you're going to be in trouble. I'm like, oh, I'll just order a standing desk. So I did. It was great. It came the next day. It's been wonderful. It, you, it goes up and down, which is really cool. What so. if you get tired and you want to sit down? Well, then I, you can actually, you, you can adjust it and, and move it down. And the theory is it's better for you to be standing. Is that a theory, Dave? Is it a theory is or is it, is it, is no. it like, it, or, or, or is it? It's, it can't it, be worse for you to no, be standing. No, it's great to be standing because you're burning more calories standing. Yeah, no, so if, you're, if you don't sit, then you're, you're not sedentary, yeah. right? And you're, and you're actually, yeah, your heart rate's up and you're, it's actually way better for you just to be standing all the time, walking around. I mean, you can go all the way and get like the, the, the ergonomic mat for your feet, you know, and also like the, the cool little trendy hipster like standing desk chair. Which makes you use your core muscles. I didn't do that. Yep. I, didn't, I didn't do that. If years, if years ago, years ago in the office, I, I bought I bought a bunch of people those um, exercise balls, but those big blue balls to sit on instead of the chairs, so they right. could strengthen their boing, core boing, 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 while boing. they were while they were you know working the front desk. And and I think that they took that as an insult versus a versus <laughs> a great call, idea. You call me fat? What are you saying? My core is not strong. Oh my god. Jules, did you have a fitness uh, moment of the week or a gym moment of the week or a sleep, yes. or a sleep moment of the week? Because sleep have, is exercise, right? I did have a fitness moment of the week. Uh, well, has it been a week? I woke up on New Year's Day, no hangover, and I went Snaps. for a crisp uh, three-mile walk nice. uh, around downtown Lowell, which right. was a great way to start I, off the year. That's great. I was actually just in Lowell today. Stop really? The banks of the mighty Why? Merrimack River. There we go. I actually went to visit. I want to pay a personal visit to the architect. Who helped design my new office? Uh, okay. Who ended up being a friend of mine in retrospect from Brandeis. Another thing, and he was a he was a great man. His name is Alan Popkin, and his his um, company is called HP Architects. And he helped me out a lot. He helped design the office and was really supportive and guided me. But on that note, I was going to send him an email or give him a call and thank him. But I said I'm just going to drive to him personally. Did he expect you? You just dropped that just, nice. Just dropped in so. Yeah, I, I sometimes I'd rather like say hello in person versus um, nothing like over the personal the phone. touch. Well, nothing like an actual phone call, Dave. So you know, we just talk on the phone as opposed to texting sometimes, which is actually better. You know, it's actually better. I like that. But way to go, make way to make the personal visit. No, but uh, yeah, it was nice to see him. And, and Lowell, Lowell's a great, a great area. Lowell's a great place to run. You can run along the river up into like Tingsboro and do the bridge. It's nice. Yes, it's very nice. A lot of paths by the Lowell Spinners Stadium, nice. which hopefully will still be there if they don't contract the spinners. You've been following this minor league like baseball. Not. What's no. Going on? So MLB is major league baseball is pulling like, oh, we're too poor. 
even though we're making billions of dollars and they're going to try to contract minor league teams, including the spinners. So actually the, uh, the Congresswoman Trahan, who represents Bedford, Lori, yeah. not, not Bedford, uh, just Lowell in the area, Lori, um, I think she had a meeting last week, like the first like save the spinners, you know, rally slash advocacy event because the spinners are great. I love going there, Dave, as you know, and you can always go catch a game and um, get a ball and have a good time and not spend a fortune on um, drinks and food. So, so what's MLB doing? They're trying to like con- like streamline minor league baseball mm-hmm. and, and contract teams because they're either not making enough money or they're losing money. I would say if this is like capitalism run amok. They're just not making enough money for the owners who just want to make more money by doing like, you know, by trading Mookie bets as we talked about yesterday. Who's Mookie bet? Some guy. Um, but what, but what do we know about baseball finance? You know what I mean? Um, but I have, I have a question about it, but what do we know? Uh, this is, you know, as my son approaches college, Dave, uh, and you've already had two girls and enter and almost exit the college thing. I did, my, my question is, you know, is this college thing just going to last right now? When, when I went to Brandeis, Full price was like 28K. Hmm. Now it's probably closer to 70. I bet it was somewhere around 20 when you went. Yep. So uh, at a certain point, I think the whole thing has to end. It can't just keep getting more expensive. That's my theory. So, you know, we see kids who are uh, doing college online. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see kids who are going abroad to the UK or to Canada or to Israel if they're Jewish and getting a college for like uh, 10% of the cost. So I, I just don't know if this coaching is going to last. I just don't know. I don't think it can. Yeah, I think that. I mean, I think the numbers still show that you know, with, with a college degree, yep. that you're gonna, it's it, it's more um, financially sound for you in the future. Um, I think the college prices are ridiculous. I won't. Yeah, I won't even talk about medical school or probably law school costs. More. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. I do. I do believe that. I mean, I, I feel that the college. This might not be your question, but I think that the college experience is invaluable, mm-hmm. and I think that. Um, if possible, not everybody should, has to go to college, but if you, if you, do, it's, it's, if you do go to college, it's, I think it's, it's, it can be really helpful in different ways. Um, I think that personally, the first, this is a, maybe an odd statement, freshman year and senior year are the most important years, and the two in between could be, could be done other, other ways, like you know, not, you know, in terms of not, not living on campus, but doing it online. I think there's a lot to be said from online. You know, one of the one of the greatest things about college is like being in the room, right, with with an amazing teacher, professor. You know, student interactions. There's a lot of that you could probably get, you know, uh, virtually. You know, so I think that, um, yeah, I think they got to figure that out. It's, it's too expensive. It's ridiculous. So, a couple of thoughts as I as I riff back to you. So, you know, for me, and I was a, li- a liberal arts major, Dave, which is the classic faux pas. Like, what are you doing? Oh, I don't know. I'll study politics, right? You had you were you you entered Brandeis probably knowing you wanted to be a doctor. I thought I wanted Pre- to be a doctor. Well, then you took Oregon and you kind of no, got, in the, no, got in the pipeline. Well, I lucked out. Like yeah. I, always, I, I told people, I told my, my kids and my, my patients, you know, is that I lucked out. I stepped on the treadmill of life, you know. I, yeah. I, 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 I had an idea what I wanted to do, and I stepped on, I got spit out the end, thank goodness, with the right decision. But yeah. yeah. So as, I've, as I've, and I've been talking to kids who are heading out to college for 15 years now, I'm like, you know, a couple of thoughts. First of all, I mean, I, I fundamentally don't think it really matters where you go. I really don't. I really think it really matters, um, you know, what skill and training you acquire and what you kind of figure out that you want to do. So you could spend four years loafing around, playing a lot of basketball in the gym, working out, partying, meeting your future wife, doing, do, right, and then end up being like, oh, and now what? Which is what I did. Yeah. Um, or you can sort of get your act together and say, oh, I'm going to be a teacher. And there's, here's what I'm going to do now to get ready for, I'm going to be a doctor. And I think it's probably better to do what you did and kind of say, oh, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to orient myself in this direction, get on the, on the, on the becoming a doctor wheel and then mm-hmm. see what happens in nine years. Um, with that being said, the socialization piece I think is critical. Um, I look at kids who are under-socialized right now because they're just the social interactions that we, you and I had and you and I and Julie, you, um, aren't what our kids are doing on their phones mm-hmm. and like living with people and navigating mm-hmm. that is really important. So I don't think the socialization peach of becoming an adult citizen, you know, does college really prepare you for the real world? Is it something important that we did? Is that always going to be important? I just don't know. Uh, I think that, you know, I think my kids should go to college. Absolutely. Um, 
this is my way of saying like they should just like figure out what they want what they want to do and, and go to wherever they want you know i used to work in newton and when the kids are 13 and 14 they're all talking about harvard and that's not the kind of home i wanted to have with my kids so whatever they want to study and and, and explore i'm going to support that and if that includes a gap year or you know doing some stuff online you know go for it um but the american college model of which will pretty soon approach a hundred thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. really doesn't make any sense agreed I think it fundamentally makes no sense at all. You know, I think that actually, you know, I, I think that if, if you do go to college, I don't think you actually have to know what you want to do specifically, as long as you're not going just to go. Like, yep. I don't think it's worth it to go because everybody else is doing it. Because again, college is not for everybody, and there's many other paths in life you can take and succeed yep. extremely well. Yep. And I think there is a value from, you know, sociology majors and anthropology majors, even that, though you don't know what you're going to do with it, because mm-hmm. those are applicable in so many ways. Um, but I, uh, yeah, but I think that um, we have to. The, the cost is is tough. I do think that like, one of my thoughts on college. This is a, uh, again maybe another tangent. Is yeah, I think the social socialization piece is helpful. I don't always quite understand the whole roommate um, process. Like why, if it, you learn how to live with someone else, no, why do you need to learn how to live with someone else in the same room? Like when I when are you, when are you ever going to do that again? You know, actively that you're gonna say, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna live with this random person. That way, I can learn how to live with someone else. I think it's just ridiculous. But it's, 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 that, that's a way for the college to make some money, clear more people into a room. I think everybody should have a single. And, um, and, and this, is hot, this, is a, this is a hot take. I like well this. Said. You know, I think that creates too much drama. Who was, who was distraction. Your, who was your freshman year roommate, Dave? <laughs> Mike Ordenberg. Great. Where, where was he from? He was from um, Oneonta, New York. Oneonta, actually, Gla- glass country. Actually, came to um, came to play baseball at um, Oh really? At Brandeis, and great guy, um, quiet, a little little different than me, but great guy. Um, and uh, actually, you know, in my initial circle of friends, I, 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 for me, it was fine living with him. I feel bad for him having to live with me. Um, what was what were you were you messy were you loud were you out at all hours what was what, what were you like as a 17 year old freshman I was, I was a little un, un um a little unruly at times unruly after I covered our whole um ceiling in our, in our dorm room with wet toilet paper that was that was What's warm yeah. did, you have, did you have posters we had some posters, maybe. I remember poster shopping from my freshman year. You, yeah. I, I remember I bought I bought the Independence Day movie poster because oh that was like right when it came out, which I saw. I'm sorry, five times in the. Theaters. I just showed it to Jocelyn oh last God. week. <laughs> After five, ten minutes, she said, "What? Why would we this?" Uh, I think I had like a, a Ken Griffey, like Seattle Mariners, you know, big poster. I mean, posters were. It was like having a clipboard at camp. Like it was really important to have the yeah. right stuff on the clipboard, the right posters on your walls. I remember big. they posters were big posters. Big. They were awesome. Is that still a thing, or is it all like tie-dyed stuff now? They have what do you, what, what's your girls put in their walls? Hannah has, like, has like a tie-dye thing on her. Like, I told you it was tie-dye. She has <laughs> like a Bonnaroo poster, oh um, maybe a dance poster. Maybe a po- is it, are we have we reached post poster? Post poster what? Like are we in the post poster apocalyptic landscape where kids posters. don't do posters anymore? There's still posters. Madison has. Did you have poster. a lava lamp? I didn't have a lava lamp. Did you have a black light? I had a Commodore 64 computer, but I didn't have it. <laughs> oh, my God. No, really, no lava lamp. I didn't have Were a you lava before lamp. the lava lamp thing? Because we were right in the middle of it. I'm staring at the, la- at the, at the what, what is this rock? I'm staring salt, 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 salt. the rock. Um, no, I didn't. I, I never had a lava lamp until recently. Black light? No black light. What are you talking about? I had a big... Well, they, I mean, you, you're, well, you're old. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I had in my room that was of excitement. I had a big old army bag filled with all my underwear. Well, that's, that's not very exciting. Uh, my freshman year roommate was Bennett Kirshner. Bennett was this total dweeb from i think uh, from kew gardens which is in queens i think he like flunked out after the first semester and he was like into a girl that was like a like practicing like witch stuff like i'm not even joking it was weird it was weird it's a brandeis it was a brandeis yeah it was weird um and i moved off campus right away so there we go so see, yeah when you had a choice you lived on you lived you, know, you chose who you lived with yeah but even so like, even with roommates i mean my experience with roommates is they weren't always great you know, I remember my junior year when I, when I met my wife, I lived in a house. Our side was one, two, three, four guys. The other side was, I think, six, five or six girls. No, four, four girls and two guys, what's, like 10 people. It was, the, it was the old Bentley hockey team house over by the Burger King off Moody Street. You, in you were way off campus. Way off campus, oh like God. far off. Um, I remember the, the landlord or the owner like paid us to help him clean it up before we moved in. It was gross. You were commuting, basically. Well, I was driving to Brandeis off campus. Um but my experience with, I mean, I was just, by the end of college, I'm like, I'm done living with people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like everybody just, And then it, you decided to have a family of five. Right, I got, mar- <laughs> got, married, got, married, got married right away. Um, 
but you know, just the constant like arguing and everyone had to prove they were smarter than you and they all wanted to be lawyers. I'm like, I don't need, we need to like litigate every issue and you would like to make a logical argument about something. Like we're, I'm okay without it. Um, but you know, things ended up just fine for me. So there we go. But I love college. I just, I, I don't know how it's going to continue to operate this way. Um, that's, I, I guess that's all I have to say. Um, Florida man, Dave. We had, a good, we, had a good, we had a good Florida man this week. All right. Let me read it. I mean, I mean it presented without context. Bring it on. So, um, Florida man, Florida man, Florida man, Florida man, Florida man. A Florida man spent Christmas Eve in jail for being a naughty neighbor. Robert Wayne Miller of Zephyr Hills, Florida, was arrested Sunday around 9 a.m. for disturbing the peace with his lawnmower. According to a Pasco County complaint affidavit, he faces misdemeanor charges of disorderly conduct and resisting arrest. Uh, it was the 114th time he, the cops had been called because of his uh, lawnmower riding. Apparently, he'd, he'd ride around his lawnmower uh, with loud music even when he wasn't mowing the lawn just to, like, ride the mower around. And the neighbors kept on complaining and kept on complaining and kept on complaining. And then he resisted arrest, and it was very exciting. So watch out in Florida. When did he – when was the arrest made? 9 a.m. On what what day? Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. It's Florida, dude. There's there's the grass. Sawgrass. Sawgrass. So was he, was he running around without headphones on? Uh, well, I think, I, think he, I think he had like the, you know, when you're in a motorcycle and they're blasting the music and, it, and you can hear it because it just like pumps. I think the, the, the mower was pumping music and he just kept on riding around. It wouldn't stop. So second straight. Yeah. Anyway. Florida, Florida. Florida. Have you ridden on a motorcycle? Uh, never. Never? Never. Julie? Yes. My dad had one really? growing up. Of course he did. And I uh, injured myself. <laughs> And I had I a scar myself. for a long time, and then it went away. Did that scar require stitches? No, I think the the like my the leg muffler? hit the probably. Ooh, see you in the back. Yes. So you you did motorcycle? Um, dirt bike. No, no, I don't know. It was a motorcycle too, but that was dirt bike. That, no, that was yeah, that was the driving around on a, in the back of a friend's motorcycle at Orchard Beach, um, summer of, of uh, summer sixty nine. See near me and Brian Adams. But but I think I think sidecars, motorcycles and sidecars, those are pretty cool. I'm not. I'm oh, there's a guy in Bedford that had that. You know, you know, uh, you know, Alan Cody Jules with a with a huge dog that he carries that he drives around the sidecar. No. You know the house on Cocker Road with the, with like the the compound with a fence. Yeah. Yeah. So he lives there. And he trains yes, dogs. Yes. 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 So they train dogs, and he has a gigantic Great Dane that he that he drives around in the sidecar from an old motorcycle. Does the like he's old Dane. school Bedford, old school like I was in the army, like has an old bike. Yeah, like he has yeah, like yeah. a. Uh, uh, is it a, uh, he's got a, f a big flag hanging out. Yeah, for sure. A couple of flags. Yeah, exactly. Does, yeah. The, does the dog have goggles? It does. No joke. No joke. Titan. See, I think those, I think those, I think that's kind of cool. Like a, uh, what's it cool? Like a motorcycle with a sidecar versus those, what are the, those, those motorcycles with the two wheels in the front and the, or the. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what was I going to say about motorcycles? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I will never get on a motorcycle. Oh, there we go. Um, if you did, you'd wear a helmet. I would. And you wouldn't, uh, and you wouldn't carry a basketball. Not to get real, but, you know, a good friend of mine uh, was killed in a 120-inch motorcycle a couple of years ago, uh, which right. reinforced the fact that I will never uh, ever ride that's a motorcycle. Right. Actually, Great. I have some friends from high school who are no longer with us. Same reason. So that's, that's no good. Um, speaking of bikes, this is a, I wasn't planning this day, but the Dave Geller Irrational Act of the Week was the time that we were running on the bike path in, in Bedford, and Dave accosted uh, kids riding their dirt bikes illegally. Do you remember that story? We went on the, we were in the bike path. We were in the woods. Well, the, 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 the old path behind the bike path, yeah, right? Yeah, whatever that's called. I mean, that's, that's nature. It's a hard, it was uh, the Elmbrook like, trail, you know, near the Elmbrook Junction near the middle school. Yeah, but, I, yeah. and those, um, they were tearing up nature. And I think that's not legal, right? To be driving bikes back there and rutting up the ground. I'm sure it's not legal. I think for about a year or two, we saw them all the time, yeah, like so biking through the running, woods. Right? Yeah. And I saw they get them coming, and I basically kind of straddled the path, right? Blocked them, and, and put my put my hands on the handlebars, <laughs> tapped on tapped on the guy's windshield. His uh, the kids uh, said, "I know you." <laughs> I think you did say <laughs> and that. I don't think you should be riding this here. I think and they then took off. And then I, didn't you see them recently? I think you saw them again recently. Uh, not did recently. You tell me that? Not recently. Probably like you know. A, a year or so later. I haven't seen him in a long time. But yeah, they, but yeah they, they, I think they, they um, got, got at least the, the picture of not doing it there when we were around. Yeah, yeah. They think, well, there's plenty of land back there that people can ride on that's just private. I think they've stayed off the actual main trails, which is good for runners and walkers and dogs. Yeah, and I so. get it. I mean, it's fun. It's fun going back there. You just have to, I think you just have to, there's a balance there, right, of, of what damage you're not going to do you know, to, other, you know, to, to property that you're know, sharing with other people. But yeah, uh, yeah I'm not afraid to, to uh, speak, my, speak my piece. Never afraid. Um, so, 
Dave, I guess my final question. So Pat's lost. Um, everyone's wondering, is this it? Is this it for Tom Brady? So he's a free agent. He has no commitment to the Patriots. Uh, if you were going to say to me, yes, Tom Brady is returning for another season, or no, he's not. He'll play somewhere else. What do you think is going to happen? Just, just like everybody's an expert on Iran, right? Um, Everyone's an expert on Tom Brady now, right? I am not an expert. <laughs> I, I would find it hard to believe, and I still find it hard to believe when, when people, when players on a team who have been on a team for a long time, like we come from a different, different era, you know, where people have spent their career at one team. I would find it very hard to believe that Tom Brady would would need to play football so much more that he would go and play on another team. So I think he's gonna. I don't think he's done. Um, I think he's got another year you know, to in him. Um, but if he d- is done, I think he's going to retire. You think he's going to retire as, and, and won't play somewhere else? Yeah. All right, Dave, so trivia question. How much, how much is his current contract for? Do you know? The two-year contract he signed, you know how much it was for? I have no idea. So it was two years, $41 million. $41 million. And I think the rumor has it he wanted a, a three-year extension of time for like comparable quarterback money to the top players who are being paid right so jared goff signed like a 140 million dollar contract and jared goff sucks tom brady's way better so you know if there's a question of saying all right tom we'll give you another year at 20 million take it or leave it we'll give you two more years at 20 million or 21 million little raise or you say you know i'm gonna go play in san diego for three years and 75 million dollars because they need a quarterback for the new stadium like what I, I, I can't put myself in tom brady's shoes right go play in california end your career, throwing playing touchdowns somewhere else, prove something to somebody else or stay in New England. I have no idea what's going to happen. My, my heart tells me, my heart tells me that he's not going to come back. Really? Actually. Mm-hmm. My heart tells me that Belichick's looking around and saying, is, is it really worth it to try to do it all over again or should we just start over? So if, if I was a betting man, I'd give it a, a slight edge to not returning. Well, I certainly hope that he does. I would say just the opposite. All right. Well, that's why we're here to disagree about things. Is that, um, that why we're here? That's why we're here. Why do we? What do we know? I know nothing about uh, Tom Brady's contract negotiations. I just know that you know he didn't have his best year. Neither did the Patriots. It's not Tom Brady's fault that they lost the other day. Um, it's it's just the team's fault, and uh, I'm not here to place blame. So I'm okay with it. And uh, now I have a few open weekends, and I have a free night on Sunday, the third of February. So won't need to make plans for the Super Bowl, and I probably won't be watching any more football. It's sad. Yeah, it's okay though. I got, I got plenty of other things that I can be doing. Name one. Uh, watching a lot of uh, youth basketball games, <laughs> um, finishing up Game of Thrones with my wife, which we're almost Oof. done with, and starting some other shows that I want to watch, like His Dark Materials, which is supposed to be pretty good. Cool. Sounds cool. Julie, anything else for you? I have a show I just started watching called Peaky Blinders. Oh, what is that? I, st- I started. I started. What's I it called? Stuck. What's it called? You got stuck. Got meaning stuck. I just it didn't it didn't grab my attention after. Oh, it didn't. Yeah. Peak, oh, peaky. Peaky. Spell it. Peaky, P-E-A-K-Y. Blinders? Blinders. Yeah. And they're... Um, is it a British English, show? Irish, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Gangster movie. Oh, it is. And they say, Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders. Yeah. An English, Irish, is it a show or a movie? It is a series on Netflix. Netflix series, all right. And uh, it takes place in the early 1920s, like 1919. Oh, it's a period ni- piece. 1919, 1920-ish, yeah. right after World War One. And it feature it takes place in England, yep. um, but there's a lot of British Irish yeah. activity. <laughs> and, Peaky uh, blinders. Do they, do they speak with Irish accents? Irish accents or British accents? Or both? Well, I've consulted with my friend and our friend Paul Paula Gilardi. Gilardi. Yep. <laughs> um, because there's a lot of like cross accents going sure. on, sure. so I'm not sure what I'm listening to. Um, so it's very interesting, but the the um, the ang- the the star of the show, the the famous actor that people will know from Jurassic Park, is Sam Neill. Oh, and from Hunt for Red October. Yes, another all-time great movie. So he's in that film, and he plays um, someone with an Irish accent, um, but he's Welsh. working for the Crown. He's working for the British Empire. So, Sam, How old is Sam Neill? He's been in movies for a long time. Sam Neill in real life is a Kiwi and lives in New England, New Zealand. And he has he a winery. What? Yeah. What I forget the name of it now. He was in the Omen 3. Wow, you're right. Another, uh, another great sequel. He's 72. Yeah, and he has, wow. um, and he spends his days, I think it's on Instagram, on his farm, his hmm. winery, what? Uh, and 
posts a lot of pictures of himself with his pets, with his really? a- the animals on his farm. And he is a uh, winemaker now. He owns a winery called Two Paddocks. There you go. In uh, central Otago region of, of, of the South Island of New Zealand. That's great. What's a pa- what do you think he means by paddocks? Oh, paddocks like a, like a stall. It's, a, it's, a, it's something an enclosure that you put animals yeah. in, right? Or like there you go. Well, or speak, and, and, the, and the last time you, you may have seen the word paddock was in Jurassic Park, when they talk about the Velociraptor paddock. No yeah, way. Yeah, no joke, so right? That's probably a nod to Jurassic Park. And and in a strange twist of fate, uh, he was born Nigel John Dermot Neal. So where did the Sam come from? Couldn't tell you. Street name. Street name. <laughs> it's his gangster name from Peaky Blinders. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a wrap for today. Um, awesome. We'll see you next week on the 13th of January. Um, Dave, good to talk to you. Great to be here Julie, again. Julie, thanks for uh, all thanks of your help me. and your amazing comments. Thanks for having me. And happy Armenian Christmas again. Hey, oh, thank you. We'll what see. we do on Armenian Christmas is we, like, we'll save one gift yep. from the original Christmas. Because as American Armenians, we celebrate on the 25th. Sure. But we'll save one gift. Yep. And it's usually candy or something like that. Something What's little. The, uh, wait, from, the, from the original Christmas? Is it a little stale? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. Um, and my, then my, supposed to go to church. No myrrh. We're good. No, no myrrh. myrrh. <laughs> All right. Well, happy everything to everybody. We'll see you next week.